Ash Mangoon. What was his name? Oh, it's Steve McQueen. No, Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. It's, there's all that stuff about, you're a star, you're a big deal, you have these TV deals. So I guess the money's just implied. Right, but they never, they never gave a dollar amount in the cars. Never said, oh. What's his name? Brass Mangoon? What's his, <laughs> what's his name? And his friend Tater. If I'm oh, lying, yeah. I'm crying. If I'm lying, I'm, I'm a crying. stereotype. Oh, my God. Did you see him in the toilets in Japan? It was so embarrassing. He's like, check out, there's a water squirting up here. Oh, now that's like Europe's bidet, but in in Asia, to squat to poop. Right. They have a different world over there. But they my have, kid went to Thailand. But they were making jokes of like Japanese toilets, you know, like how they have like these, these fancy toilets that will play mm-hmm. music and squirt water up there. It is Isn't it, it Mater? Mater? Mater, right? The tow truck. Yeah. Okay, so now this car has been on a diet of diesel gas, and um, he doesn't feel so. Oh, oh, it's the big date. It's the, I mean, it's the big ask out. Ooh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Good. Is the blue car the guy, and the red yeah. car is the girl? Yeah, it's sort of purple, right? Yeah. So he's going to invite her to the circus, I think, on Friday. There isn't much else to do. Do you want to look at some cacti? (laughs) What? Bill's cacti. Dash, that's his name, Dash. Oh, from The Incredibles, Dash? What? Dash from The Incredibles? Dash, I don't know. uh, Dash is the name of a car that she hung up on. Also, the name of the little boy. You know what, Zipper? Uh-huh. I have to open myself to the possibility of needing to write. Blah, blah, blah. Dash is also uh, a hyphen. What do you mean? <laughs> well, it's a character. Uh, it's an ASCII character on your keyboard, Dash. Oh, right. Gotcha. It's a hyphen. Well, you know what I say. Don't believe the hyphens. Don't believe the hyphens. Don't believe the hyphen. Use, abuse. Don't, don't believe the hyphen. Don't believe the hyphen. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's the best joke I can muster. abuse. I'm still refused to blow a fuse. Nice. Yeah, boy. Don't believe the hyphen. <laughs> don't. 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 don't, don't. Don't believe the hyphen. Nice. Oh, that really was a great, great band. Oh, yeah. So called Chosen Frozen. What is it? Crucifixion so ain't I... no fiction. So called Frozen. <laughs> chosen Frozen. Apologies given no, to whoever course. needs them. But they still got me like Jesus. You're right. Yeah. That's right. That was when they What's had... his name? Chuck D? Chuck D, that's it. Now, of course, I'm the whitest white boy, so I never heard of them until. Uh, do the right thing, right. but that's all I needed to hear was that um, "Fight the Power" song to like. Well, you didn't Google things back then. I don't know how it happened, but I absolutely got into Public Enemy. And I, it, it was like I got the record "Fear of a Black Planet." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I have that. I I have that." Oh, you have a little "Fear of a Black Planet." That's a great album. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, something's happening. Sorry. 
be a better movie. It's uh, basically she's buying the circus. The clutch? I need to talk to you right away. After the tone. Four Star Depot is engaged in all sorts of illegal activity. That's the running gag. The cops never there. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Listen, I I want to just uh, saying, Michael. I just want to say something to Michael Schleff. Yeah. And I know I've said it before, but Michael, Michael, you've got talent, dude. Michael, break out on your own. You've made your money. You've made your money, right? Yeah. Now you have creative freedom. Make that Titanic Make a... 3. No, Michael, stop. No, Michael Schlepp, listen to me. Listen, don't Michael Schlepp, don't listen. Don't listen to Carl. <laughs> listen to me. It's a dead end. This thing. You're, gonna, you're, you're miring in mediocrity. Nobody's going to remember the name Michael Schlepp. Look, go to Bear Lizard Radio and listen to them rave about you. They spent 10 minutes on you. Listen, Michael, you. don't listen to my colleague, Carl. Watch the movie <laughs> Incredibles, take notes, and then come up with a movie called Incredibles 3. But the word Incredibles <laughs> has quotation marks around it. Right. Yeah, the un Uncredibles, that's what you are currently, Michael. Please, Mr. Schlepp. Hey, Mr. Schlepp. He's in New York. He's in New York. I could probably if find him. If you're listening, you should really make the really good dinosaur movie. You know what I'm saying? The really good dinosaur? Yeah. There you um, go. See what's the opposite of Ice Age, right? Oh yeah, Stone Age. Global Warning Three. The the squirrel is after the uh, the the walnut. I heard a comedian, and I'm doing it to Carl, uh, who's here on Mini Radio. I said there were so many Ice Age movies, and the most recent one took place during the present day. <laughs> I've been laughing for. A dinosaur movie taking place in the current day, it would be like an alligator. Uh, it would be birds, right? Wasn't there an alligator? Uh, a modern-day dinosaur movie? Oh, there's Jurassic Park, I guess. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Now, he's, uh, Blue, who has his blue balls, is discovering that <laughs> uh, Purple wants to go to the circus. So he's like, I'll get tickets. Go. Uh, I should take you. Huh? Uh, you? Yeah, I love private tickets and uh, we should go together to the circus. I like this movie. Uh, I don't know, Creeper. Most movies have like sound music playing behind the scenes. Well, you just heard the bass line, right? That one? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the one. Okay. There, uh, this uh, Diesel has been running them out of business, and now here's the banker with the big, you know, like bad news. Uh, sure. Listen, about this month's loan payment. Da da da. See, so he's feeling the pressure. They really should have got John Mulaney to do this. I don't At think they have the credit. You think John Mulaney would have done it? No. Of course not. I mean, I don't know him personally. Maybe a paycheck's a paycheck, but no, somehow I don't think he would have I don't think it. a paycheck from these guys is going to be worth that much. Big spark plug's going to be like, here's 50000 Well, Trixie from Speed Racer did it. Trixie from Speed Racer? Oh, yeah, she... Oh, excuse me. Oh, I didn't Ooh. realize. Oh, right. Pardon, eh? Oh, 
Oh, Trixie from Speed Racer, eh? The original, no less. Yeah, the original. You think, like, during the brace, he's like, I should have been Rocky the Squirrel. Fucking June Foray took my <laughs> shit. That sounds right. Yeah. Oh, no, she's talking about June Foray again. Fucking oh, but I don't think Kiss that, um, like you were saying last show, I, kids won't get this. Well, kids, but, you know, a 25-year-old, these references, Bullwinkle, what's that, you know? It's a float in the parade on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. It was a movie starring uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh-huh. Bullwinkle. You ever see that live-action Bullwinkle? Yeah, it was terrible. I was in Chicago when they were filming that, and we were on this boat uh, going through those canals they have there, and we had to stop and wait for 40 minutes as they launched. Remember the car launches over the water? Among many things, yes. Yeah, so we, we 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 didn't even get to see it. It was like around the corner. Did you we see had Bullwinkle? to wait while they filmed that. What's scene. Bullwinkle like? Is he nice? In he person? Your, yeah, in person. Did he sign your autograph? He snubbed me. He snubbed me. I He's don't know. Nice. He turns up his nose, and all you see is that weird mouth he has. Yeah, right. <laughs> and his pal, man, what a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> That's really true. Being his friend was really a moose steak. <laughs> He's I a junkie, feel. too. He's like, hey, Rocky, watch me pull a clean needle out of my hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, th- th- nobody will be getting what we're talking about. Even the live-action film we reference, people won't know. The live-action film consisted of, like, Whoopi Goldberg going, you're, you're the moose? I loved your show growing up. I mean, that was the actual dialogue. Everyone recognized yep. it. It was that uh, fearless leader wanted to make shitty, bad entertainment on TV, and then idiots will love it. And Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it was for little kids. I think it, I think some of it. Like I, I tried to watch it in earnest. I mean, I thought it, I was very excited there was a live action movie. Oh, me too. I went to it, and it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, I think that De Niro played Boris. No, he played uh, fearless leader. Okay. It was Jason well, Alexander. Was Boris Okay, wait. I have to tell you now. The turtle is in the car. Oh, the tur- yeah. He's inside of her. So that little head. subplot, she's finally figured out how to Fuckers jump the ramp successfully, and now the turtle goes for a ride every time. The tortoise, I should say. Turtles are in water, and tortoise. Uh oh, pop is here. Oh, finally. <laughs> is on a one-car crime spree. I'm here to investigate complaints of watered-down gas. <laughs> that must be an Italian car. So many customers. So, I didn't tell you a little plot point earlier. When Sparky was in the employee of the father, he was always coming up with little ideas like uh, webcams so that people would know if the station was full or closed, right? So, in the middle of the night, uh, the little minions of Diesel watered down the gas, and then Diesel whispered in the cop's ear, he's got watered down gas, exactly what she's guilty of. He's testing the water now, uh, testing the gas now, right. and, and confirms that uh, our hero, the dad, Fender, he gets booted. Oh, the cops put a boot on him? Yeah. Oh, it's degrading. So he's getting... A, you know, 
accused of the crime that she commits. Uh, she's a complex villain, and she's good. And uh, Michael Schlepp. Michael Schlepp. This, is ev- this movie is evidence. You're bigger than this, man. You can do it. Here's the movie. You, you, it's you called branch out on your own. Frozen 2. Released at the same time <laughs> Frozen 2 comes out. Listen to me, Michael Schlepp. Yeah, right. It could be like... Uh, there's Roses, and it's the second time you made this. Frozen 2. Not frozen. Like, what would it be? Like, lukewarm? No, like... Uh, <laughs> Ice cold. What would... Really cold. Yeah, right. A re- really cold. Really too. cold. Too. Yeah. 32 degrees. <laughs> okay, so now car's going to get rejected. Dash might be coming on Friday. Let's go Saturday. No, I get it. Here, take the ticket. Go with Dash or not. Whatever. Good one. I'm proud of you. Yeah, he was a little prat. Don't, he's not going to put up with that. I would have I would have handled it much differently. I would have said, "I'm taking these circus tickets, and a couple of prostitutes are going to the circus." <laughs> oh, give me that ticket back. Prostitutes like the circus. Prostit- they do because there's prostitution rings, circus yeah. rings, circus rings, prostitution rings. So the bank is going to like foreclose and she's going to get the property and she's knocking down the okay so now uh sparky letting it be known that he's got them on tape watering down the gas busted calling the cops can you get it you get the joke yeah because 911 is a joke i know See, what's funny is it is a literal callback. I did that in an open mic set. Uh, The joke didn't really – I I was telling my jokes, and then I said I called my wife, but I got her voicemail, so I left a message. And then I went on with my jokes, and then later in the set I said my wife – Called me back. Then I go, that's the callback. And some people chuckled, but it didn't. It was a callback to it your died. first joke. When you were yeah. yeah. Right, which wasn't a joke. It was just a call, and then I got a callback, and then I say that was a callback. And uh, people were just, I don't know. I appreciate, I appreciate your humor, Carl. It's keeping me awake <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, look There's at been 8 off. million jokes that have died at the open mic oh my god every week I write 5 minutes and like 3 work you know so you keep them in the bucket but uh, there's so many jokes that have not worked the worst god. is like you try a joke out not only does it not work but people like remember that joke no no, no I tried it it didn't work yeah, that's right. One time uh, I got a bunch of people together to watch Fish Burgers. They just happened to be over Tom Kroll's house. And remember that? If you remember it, you weren't on the show at the time. I, I go to the AP, ATM and it humiliates me because, you know, like I, I asked to take out $200 and it's like, uh, you need to get a job. Yeah, no, I, I see that. This is, we're referring to a uh, public access television show shot in New Jersey 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember that. But I mean, the, 
that, that show had like Saddam Hussein fighting the Terminator. And I mean, there were a million great bits in that Fishburgers episode. But the Tom Kroll's friends, every time they see me, they go, hey, yeah, I can relate to that ATM joke. That's the lamest joke That's in the whole the <sighs> We were playing tennis with like uh, the beach ball. And there was funny stuff that, you know, Sonny fell. I, I slipped down the stairs in that episode. And. Uh, don't remember my worst joke. I remember you falling down the stairs. That was pretty funny. Act as if it's the best joke. So this is Diesel is like goading Sparky right now. Well, right now it's one more time he's going to get his pay. And could take a better paying job at one of my other companies. So he goes to get his pay, and it's once again, you owe, you owe, you owe. And he's like, I quit. And she's like, well, you can't quit. You owe me 40 bucks. And so now she's, you know, she's got Sparky by the ball. So she's offering Sparky a job at one of her other companies. It happens to be the circus. And Weird. we're going to we're – we're leading up to the tragic moment at the circus. This is, now, this okay, is now, where, this is where uh, Dick Grayson Carr's parents get shot while they were doing – and he becomes Bat Robin. Grayson, right? Dick yeah. Grayson, that was Robin. That was Robin. He uh, was he was an acrobat's son, and he was at the circus. Right. But his parents, the Flying Grayson, said, "We don't want to pay this protection money that you're talking about. We're just good on his acrobats." And Weasley McGee was like, "Okay, I'm going to cut the rope." <laughs> cut the rope. And That's then there was right. that that Batman episode where Robin confronts Greasy. I'm going to punch your face, and Robin, don't do it. Come yeah. on, Batman, this is your dream. I know. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of bullshit. And then when that Robin became like Nightwing or whatever, he had to go to the circus and find another Robin or something. I was not a DC guy. I read the Marvel comics. I mean, I bumped into the DC ones and like there would be some um, – you know how they would release the big books that were compilations sure. of that's, old. That's yeah, the ones so I catch up with. Right. Well, oh, you catch up, but I would be introduced for the first time, you know. That's how I knew Action Comics. and Right. Well, okay, so here they are at the circus, and um, Purple Car has ditched uh, Dash for Blue Ball's car. And the father's there in his boot and everything. Can I, can I ask you uh, a question? Yeah. When is this DVD menu going to stop so I can make a selection? Right. I, I've had enough of this can you setup. Take, can you take the CD-ROM out of the fucking DVD player, please? So there's the banker. We have all of our cast assembled. Right, all 12 of them. Now we find out that she's bought the circus. And she's not going to have this traditional act that they all love with the spinning cups and everything. She's going to have Sparky and the traditional act, Delilah. Well, you'll see in a minute. Why? It's like a death-defying Why, oh, why, Delilah? Oh, here we go. What? And we're going to have Sparky here suck his own dick. What? what? Whoa! Get out of here. I gotta see no, this. No, I wanted to see Otto Cungunalingus, and you're gonna show me. Otto Felicio. It's a car blowing himself. <laughs> Which is something that's possible. 
Yeah, the Ricardo like Center. Autoconolingus. I guess you could do autoconolingus. You would just have to be. Right. I don't think you can reach. I mean, uh, I I don't have the right equipment, but okay. So they're on this um, treadmill. Yes. And they have to speed up because if they slow down, they'll go uh, backwards into the jaws of. Yes. Ooh, it's with vertical sideways closers to make it even more intimidating. And so this is what uh, Michael Schlepp has given us, gas in a kid's show. Oh, it's more apparel. This is nothing that you haven't seen Penelope go through. It's like those cliffhangers, like those serial movies. Um. You might be right about Penelope because she was like tied to the track. Yeah. No, but that was live action, uh, silent movie stuff. Uh, well, Penelope Pit Stop was. Penelope Pit Stop from Wacky Oh, that Mises. is what you're talking about? No, the, I was talking about Perils of. I was, I was thinking more Perils of Penelope, the old like silent movie thrillers. Perli- Perils of Perli- uh, Perils of. Okay, but that wasn't a cartoon. Uh, no, it wasn't. But it was the same idea. Like it was meant for kids, and I don't know if those old timey movies were meant for kids, but they just they hit the. They became part of kids' culture. No, it was well. They did like Channel Nine after uh, Channel Nine. Saturday morning cartoon. Well, they would do like they would say, "Well, it's an old timey movie. It's for kids. It's a silent movie. Silent movies are for kids, and you know." Right. So that's why I used to Okay, so there's a button that stops the treadmill, and the father is trying to save his son's life. And do you remember that, for no reason, explosive material at the gas station? Yes, you mentioned that. Why? What yeah, does that have so to do with this scene? Michael Schlepp is going to save them from death by doing a massive explosion in a children's movie. Listen, Schlepp, don't listen to Carl. I want to see Spider Stan into the Spider Stan verse. Right, Spider Stan verse. Okay, so here comes the toxic explosive chemicals barrel rolling. The gas pump listened to the dad and rolled it. That truck with the chandelier candles, that's the banker? No, the banker's the blue car. That chandelier one I sort of overlooked. He's part of that surfer dude situation. Uh, Now watch, he's going to flick it yeah. so why doesn't it blow up when he's flicking it because those are some strong fins but right when they hit the machinery they it instantly blows up boom gnarly catch Everybody a wave saved. yeah well the kid, i might be wrong about that candelabra car it might be part of the circus i wish my brother uh, george the white water tyranny twitter and the neoliberal workplace so I've been off Twitter now for a month, the longest period in my life of me not using that site since I got my first smartphone in 2009 and started an incredible 13-year run of chatting absolute shite online. An astonishing achievement, even if I was forced to leave as a result of being banned for being beastly about that nice Mr. Putin. So, a month later, what are my thoughts? One of the things I've noticed most is how similar being on Twitter was to my last job before I went mad, caught Covid and became a crip. As you'll recall, I used to work in a call centre, and it sucked. 
and it especially sucked when our managers decided to outsource the work of the specialist department I used to work in to a centre in a country ran by a homophobic dictator because of his country's looser regulatory environment. Woo! Keep sponsoring those prides, guys! The new department I got moved to was busier. Much busier. And suddenly, I got the full experience of genuinely being battered by call after call after call. Where once I had had time to do all the admin that I was required to do for each customer without having to take myself off the phones, I now found myself trying to get it taken care of in the course of calls themselves, to minimise my hold time, all while giving the customer my full attention and having real conversations, obviously. It was stress of a kind I'd never experienced, and I've worked retail over Christmas. But the thing about a physical queue is that it has an end you can see. Even if more and more people keep joining it, you can work it down. All you see in a call centre is a number. And that number rarely goes down. And it hardly ever reaches zero. Unless something's gone wrong. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny! Like turn off, sir, guys who say nah. Now let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. 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 Hi, we're L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Took me a second. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hiya, Carl. Hey, Mike. We are not L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. You are. I'm just guesting today. Oh, my this God. Is your- the Whitewater Tyranny. Twitter and the Neoliberal Workplace. So, I've been off Twitter now for a month. The longest period in my life of me not using that site since I got my first smartphone in 2009 and started an incredible 13-year run of chatting absolute shite online. An astonishing achievement, even if I was forced to leave as a result of being banned for being beastly about that nice Mr. Putin. So, a month later, what are my thoughts? One of the things I've noticed most is how similar being on Twitter was my last job before I went mad, caught Covid, and became a crip. As you'll recall, I used to work in a call centre, and it sucked. And it especially sucked when our managers decided to outsource the work of the specialist department I used to work in to a centre in a country ran by a homophobic dictator because of his country's looser regulatory environment. Woo! 
Keep sponsoring those prides, guys. The new department I got moved to was busier. Much busier. And suddenly, I got the full experience of genuinely being battered by call after call after call. Where once I had had time to do all the admin that I was required to do for each customer without having to take myself off the phones, I now found myself trying to get it taken care of in the course of calls themselves to minimise my hold time, all while giving the customer my full attention and having real conversations, obviously. It was stress of a kind I'd never experienced, and I've worked retail over Christmas. But the thing about a physical queue is that it has an end you can see. Even if more and more people keep joining it, you can work it down. All you see in a call centre is a number. And that number rarely goes down. And it hardly ever reaches zero. Unless something's gone wrong. Oh. How we all used to pray. Of course, the customer doesn't see this side of the affair. All they hear is the hold music, constantly interrupted by recorded declarations that your call is important to us, reminders that you are 89th in the queue, and constant patronising interjections that this is so much easier to do online. It's no wonder that even the nicest customers were a little tetchy by the time they got through to a human. But let's be honest, this is Britain. Nice customers were rare. More common by far were angry, lazy, judgmental scum who more often than not just wanted someone to shout at to make them feel better about their own mistakes. Their own inability to remember that some places are shut on bank holidays, that debts generally have to be paid, that it doesn't matter how much money they have in their bank account, we could not, in fact, do things for them which were illegal and certainly couldn't agree to do that kind of thing on the phone. If you've worked in one of these places, you know the kind of thing, and the vitriol that results when you tell these entitled creeps no. And how did I choose to spend my lunch times and the 50-minute breaks I was lucky to work enough hours to qualify for? I spent them browsing Twitter. I mean, not the whole time. During lunch I'd usually do a little reading, whether on break or lunch I'd usually have to piss, but like most of us these days, I would scroll on the toilet and there were always notifications coming in, replies, retweets, and likes. I would sit by the canteen window, my lunch on the bar, a book in my hand, my phone laid to one side, but within easy reach like an ashtray, and every now and then it would vibrate. And, because I was a trans woman on Twitter, the replies I got were often every bit as vicious, as vituperative, as vile as the abuse I would receive from angry customers. I'm not saying getting abused on Twitter is the exclusive purview of us trannies, obviously. You get the same kind of crap if you're black, or brown, or gay, or a woman, or espouse left-wing views. Regular readers will be aware I tick three of those boxes too, though it's by no means an exhaustive list. In a society which is systemically racist, sexist, misogynist, and riddled with neoliberalism, it would be a miracle if Twitter didn't replicate those dynamics. What's different is the speed. Just like the queues on the call centre phones, the Twitter queue was never ending. But the clever bit was, in amongst the tides of shit, there would be flecks of gold, a genuinely valuable reply, 
an incisive quote tweet, a diss that was at least original and well constructed, rather than just some genitally obsessed weirdo yelling PENIS! And always, the steady stream of likes and retweets from good comrades, appreciation, interaction, dopamine. Look, odds are you don't need me to tell you how shit Twitter is. There's a good chance you've experienced it yourself. That dopamine hit is why we keep coming back. My employer's internal propaganda told me I was a valued member of staff, and not just an emotional punch bag for the worst people in the country, but that was transparently fake. They didn't value me, they didn't see me as a person, they just needed me to fill a chair. But on Twitter, real people, actual humans, were tapping a digital heart and telling me they liked the things I said. They showed things that I said to their friends. They got in touch and said I made them laugh, and I got such feedback almost instantly. My employers could go on about how much they valued me, but Twitter showed me I was loved. And that was almost worth the times it showed me how much I was hated. Until one day, it wasn't. Slowly, imperceptibly, Twitter became more like work. Not just in the sense of having to wade through more and more angry dickheads every day, but in the sense of constant, hostile surveillance. All social media is a surveillance operation to some extent, obviously. A shout out here to the poor sod from the FBI who has to monitor Mutiny Radio's output. But just as they rely on us to self-report by logging in and giving updates, and because the internet will always be shit under capitalism, Twitter decided to outsource the problem of moderating the gargantuan quantity of information passing through its site to its users too. Sure, they had an algorithm as well, but they seemed to have relied mainly on reports from users, which of course allowed turverts and their fascist incel chums to run mass reporting campaigns on anyone from groups they didn't like who was getting too popular. It's not lost on me that the alt I moved to after my main got nuked only started to experience problems when my retweets started getting into the thousands again. Make no mistake, this shit is organised. You might even call it cancellation. But even before my alt got nuked too, there was no escaping the fact that Twitter wasn't what it used to be, because people I liked and followed were dealing with bans too. And sure, they were coming back with alts, but you had to faff on finding them, and people who didn't want to do this dance were forced to watch what they said to avoid having accounts, which in some cases they depended on for their livelihood, taken down. And meanwhile, of course, the abuse directed at us never stopped. Sometimes we scored victories, getting the penis botherer Helen Staniland removed, or sending Graham Linehan home to cry into his carbonara, but for the most part, it seemed much harder to get a transphobe banned for actual abuse than to get a trans woman kicked off the platform for using the word prick. Suddenly, logging into Twitter was a lot like going to work in the neoliberal workplace, a zone of surveillance in which you constantly self-monitor, policing your expression, and where you can't help but notice people whose faces fit never face sanctions, while you know you're being watched for the slightest deviation from the accepted behavioural norm. By the time they fired me, I wanted to get fired. And sure, adjusting has been hard. You do get withdrawal symptoms. How could you not? Your brain misses those constant little dopamine boosts. 
And even scrapping with turverts has its chemical reward, the adrenaline of conflict, not to mention the dopamine from people retweeting your disses. Suddenly, that's all cut off, and Facebook is shit methadone. You twitch. You pace. You drum your fingers. You start playing Wordle again. You think about buying a burner phone, setting up a Proton mail address and starting over. But why? You'll probably just get kicked off again. There are, however, benefits. I read a lot more now, and when I read, I read for longer, because my brain is growing less and less habituated to the need to be constantly checking my phone, which I sometimes leave in the other room when I go for a piss now. Such social media as I remain on has a slower update pace, especially given that I tend to police my friends list elsewhere much more carefully than I did on Twitter. I can watch whole films without interrupting myself now. It's too early, I think, to say what it's done to my writing. There is a discipline you develop as a writer from having to fit your thoughts into as close to 280 characters as possible, especially if you eschew text to speak. But on the other hand, I now find it much easier to lay out a longer argument and write from point to point, even in a Facebook status update. And the last two entries on this blog consist of text from Facebook updates, which I thought would benefit from being easier to find if I need to refer back to them. I hope that I am staying the right side of prolixity here. I don't know if I'm less angry. Sometimes I feel more rage for not having the output. But overall, and importantly, although I miss the interaction with some individual tweeters, I don't miss Twitter itself, despite having been on it since 2009. Because Twitter is no longer the site that I joined in 2009, and hasn't been for quite some time. Suburban rain And these lovely 
like a true girl. Well, listen. Well, the modern world is not so bad. Not like the students say. In fact, I'd be in heaven if you'd share the modern world. Thank <laughs> you. 